Thanks for listening to the Word Alive podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching. For more resources, please download our app by typing W-A-I-O in your Play Store. So, to us, the message of Dr. King's life is not that it's something that's accomplished, but something that was started, and we are called to continue on this journey, serving the least of these, reaching out to society. Unfortunately, there's still inequality uh, around us. There's still injustice. There's social injustice. It's still the fight needs to be fought. Uh, you'll be hearing more about this, but we're headed toward the time of May, a freedom march that uh, Dr. Patio is working on. We're working the city of Anniston and the city of Oxford and black church and white church, Catholic church and Protestant church, Jews and Gentiles are going to be marching down 202, the freedom, uh, where the freedom bus was burned. And we're doing a freedom march in an act of prophetic declaration that our city, we're claiming racial racial reconciliation church reconciliation body of Christ coming together and it's going to be a big 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 event in between now and then we keep pushing forward with project 58 and reaching out to the least of these around the world to make clean water available and food available there's a uh, card there in your seat back if you don't know much about that you can partner with us we pray fast and give around here fast a meal a week Give that money to this, this cause and pray for the injustice that's happening around the world. And so I want us to con- continue to keep this as part of our heart and journey. Also, I'd like to pause a minute today to uh, give you some admonition. Is that a good admonition? Dan, is that a good word? Admonition. Uh, give us some good admonition. Uh, let's don't get messed up in the president's deal. Just don't make the same mistake we made eight years ago or nine years ago when you quit praying for President Obama. And we spent more time talking about him instead of talking to God for him. I got you. Early service was the same way. I I told them I'd save the message just for you, but they wanted to hear it too. So I want to pause a minute because I want us to pray for our president today. Because we, as a majority of the body of Christ, maybe in this last administration, uh, because maybe we didn't uh, uh, like the political side of it, or whether we, it was, uh, wasn't the, our candidate of choice, maybe for you, or it maybe wasn't uh, you know, the policies you wanted, there was all kind of nonsense happened. That, that President Obama wasn't an American, we questioned his citizenship, we questioned his uh, integrity, uh, his faith, and on and on. And, and a lot of Christians bought into it. And, 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 and we didn't do our part praying for the president. And uh, so we, we, need, we repented for that here as a church. But we don't need to get caught in this same trap in this administration. Because, let me just explain it to you. Rick Joyner, the prophet, came here and told us it was likely that President Donald Trump or Donald J. Trump would be the president of the United States. He said, here's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like a roller coaster ride. One day it's going to be great. The next day, it's, he said, it's going to be like Peter. That one day it's like flesh and blood did not reveal this to him. And the next day Satan get behind me. How many can testify that's exactly what it's been like? So for example, you know, I think one decision the president made, he makes Jerusalem the uh, capital of Israel probably the most prophetic spiritual decision any president in the history of our nation has ever made. Two weeks later, the most asinine statement you can ever think of talking about nations around the world. It's just like Satan. In the, it, it, it. So don't. So be patient, right? We got got to pray for this man. If there's anybody who needs prayer, it's this man right here. Come on now. 
And we need to pray for him that God would put godly people around him, that God would send godly wisdom his way when he's about to say something stupid or tweet something stupid, that God would shut him down somehow on that behalf. And, you know, come, come right, right. If it, with, let's just be honest, right? And, 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 and if he's bent towards some, some racism or whatever that's going on in his own heart, that we're sin abound, God's grace can much more abound, that God can reach in there and touch his heart. And, you know, we, God didn't, he's not a perfect man. Right? Not, and not, but none of us are. So, let's don't judge him. Let's pray for him because he desperately needs our prayer. And let's don't make the same mistake we made in our last administration and leave it up to the hands of just the gossip and the people talking and the nonsense going on. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. And so today, Father, we just come in the spirit of this and say, Lord, we pray for the president today. We pray for President Donald Trump. We pray for his family. Lord, we pray that you'd send godly men around him, godly women. We pray you'd speak the wisdom of God in and through him. Lord, we know and recognize prophetically you told us there was going to be great highs and great lows. So, Lord, let us celebrate the great highs that happened and let us pray for him and the great lows that we experience, trusting you have your jo- you have the nations. You hook the nations in the jaws. And you put up one and you take down another. And somehow, by the grace of God, you will get the will of God done through this administration by the grace of God. And so we just, we just wherever Washington is from here, somewhere that way, up that way, we just say grace in the peace in the name of Jesus. And we say let the angels be dispatched and let them surround that place and, and let wisdom of God and plans of God and kingdom of heaven and purpose of God be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. We break the spirit of witchcraft and control and manipulation and racism and all the things that would love to get involved in our country. And we just say, peace, be still in the name of Jesus and let the will of God be done for this United States of America because we believe we have a redemptive purpose in the world. And so, Lord, we just believe that for that. Let the Spirit of God have its way in our nation. We pray for the Congress, the Senate, the President, all that are involved And we pray for it and we ask the will of God to be done and the grace of God to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. He's probably having a cheeseburger watching us online. That's what they say about him. We started a series uh, last uh, week, Rest on Every Side. We believe it's a promise God gave us that we, as a body of Christ, are entering into a place of rest on every side. So touch two people beside you, one behind you, one in front of you. Say, get ready. I'm about to have rest on every side. Tell them. About to have rest on every side. (laughs) Now, if you missed last week's talk, I'd encourage you to go online, check it out. We talked about this is a promise, and we enter by faith. And the faith we we enter in is not faith in ourselves, but faith in Christ who gave himself and died for us we use Galatians 2.20 about two crosses, one cross of Christ, but then I got a cross, and you got a cross. And once we embrace that cross, the death to self, the death to ego, we can enter this flatline living place, or this place where we don't have real high highs, real low lows, but we enter a place called rest. Not a respite, like a vacation, you know, uh, or a nap, right? Naps are great, and vacations are great, but they don't do the job that this rest is talking about doing. Those give you a reprieve, yes, and they're necessary in the journey. But there is a place of spiritual rest. There is a place I call dominion rest, and it's a place in the spirit that we can live in right in the midst of 
this society that we're, we're living in and find this place called rest. I believe today, as the Lord has spoken through prophecy earlier, that the key to entering this rest, the second key we'll talk about today, is silence. Solitude. Look, if you will, if, with me at uh, Luke 10. Uh, probably a very familiar portion of Scripture to most of you. Here's what it says. Now, it happened as they went and they entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, speaking of Jesus. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. You are distracted, you are worried, and you are troubled about many things. I believe that's speaking prophetically to where we live in the United States of America, especially in the world, and as the church. We are worried and distracted and troubled by many things. But if you read the rest of this, Jesus says, Mary has chosen the best part, and that is, that will not be taken away from her. She has chosen, in the midst of all this, to sit at my feet. And I really believe that God is speaking to us and helping us move in this season uh, to enter into a place of rest and to embrace a spiritual discipline, if you will, of solitude and silence. Now, this is a foreign spiritual discipline for most in uh, the Western church. If you travel in India, as I have, in the eastern part of the world, that part of the church would know uh, the body of Christ embraces this more, more of a contemplative, uh, meditated, uh, uh, meditated, <laughs> medicated, <laughs> a, a contemplative, <laughs> some are medicated, but a contemplated, meditative posture uh, in, in prayer. And uh, it's... It's, it's important, I believe, as the body of Christ for us to embrace this spiritual discipline, especially in the culture that we live. Now, before we get to, too caught up in, uh, uh, you know, that, well, Facebook and technology and Twitter and all that's what's distracting us. I understand that. I mean, I walked in a restaurant recently myself, and, and uh, you know, everybody in the restaurant was eating, and everybody was looking at their cell phone, not even communicating with each other. I understand that. I'm, do, I, I'm to blame. I'll do the same thing. Bev and I'll be watching uh, something on TV, whatever, and, you know, I'm, uh, both of us, call her out too, both of us are on, on, uh, on our phones at times, you know, with, uh, I'm worse than she is, but, you know, I, I'm bad first thing in the morning to grab my phone, want to see what's going on, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, what, what's, what I've missed, what's, what's going on in the world, but, but we can't blame it on technology as much as we'd love to. It's been happening for years. I saw a Twitter yesterday, 1960, early 1960s, a commuter train, and every person on the train was reading a newspaper not communicating with one another. So it's not like distraction came with technology. Actually, distractions were all the way back in Jesus' day when he said, Martha, Martha, you're distracted by many things. So we can't blame our distractions and all this on technology, even though I give, give due to what that is, and we need, need to be aware of, of what's happening in our life. But in general, our human nature wants to be distracted. Because I believe the place of spiritual solitude and silence is... Uh, important and most of us need noise because we don't want to get there because once you get there it gets real 
When you get quiet and you get in solitude, it gets real. Now, the real thoughts, the real heart, the real issues begin to arise. And so I really believe this is what God's calling us to. Now, Jesus showed us that this is how to live a spiritual life. This is found in uh, Mark 1.35. It says something like this. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. By the way, if you read the New Testament, you will realize Jesus spent a large portion of his life in the wilderness. I was staggered uh, when I read the Christmas story again this year in the book of Luke. In Luke 180, I believe it is, says Jesus lived all his days in the wilderness until his manifestation to Israel. So if you were wondering what Jesus was doing while he was growing up, he wasn't in his carpenter shop, dad's carpenter shop, as we've been told traditionally. He was actually in the desert. Why? All spiritual people are prepared in the wilderness. Israel had to go through the wilderness to get to the promised land. Moses was prepared on the backside of the wilderness. Jesus was prepared in the solitude of the wilderness. Paul the apostle spent 12 years in Arabia in the desert before he preached Christ. So we see solitude and silence, a desert, a wilderness, has always been God's preparation place for those who are going to do spiritual work. Isn't it interesting now we understand more when John the Baptist had to go to the wilderness to, to preach, prepare the way of the Lord. He, why? He had to go get the Lord. It wasn't prepare a way for the Lord in the wilderness. Pray, pray, prepare a way for the Lord to come out of the wilderness. Because the Lord was dwelling in the wilderness until his time came. Now John the Baptist baptizes him. He steps out of the wilderness into his ministry. So it's this solitude and silence that I believe God has been speaking to me about, to us about, and I believe God is talking to you about today, is we need to embrace this spiritual principle if we're going to live a spiritual life with rest on every side. Because when I'm talking about rest on every side, I'm not talking about necessarily natural circumstances, but I'm talking about living in a spiritual place where nothing around you moves you anymore. Touch two people beside you say, I'm about to create me some space. Tell them, I'm about to create me some space. Now, Jesus didn't only live this. He taught it to his disciples. I'll get this to you. Mark 6 says, and he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going. They did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Here's what's wild. I read this week. Jesus always retreated back to the wilderness, especially when his ministry got popular. When Jesus' ministry got popular and multitudes started following him, what did he do? He ran back to the wilderness. And actually, multitudes followed him there. That's how he wound up feeding 5,000 in the wilderness because 5,000 people followed him out into the wilderness because they so wanted to hear what he had to say. See, I'm convinced if church would be less marketing and less trying to draw a crowd with marketing and more living in a place of solitude and silence hearing the Word of God, we wouldn't ever have to worry about the crowds because they'd always want to hear what we got to say because we got something to say. Come on now. And so Jesus is calling us to this, I believe. 
calling us to live this lifestyle. Now, the good news is we don't have to become monks. We don't have to be like our desert mother and fathers that I've read about. We don't have to go and live in a physical desert to achieve this place called rest on every side. But actually, it's a place inside of us that we all have if we'll just access it. The kingdom of God is not here or there. The kingdom of God is within you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a residing place of the Lord. When you get up in the morning, you are the tabernacle of God. When you go to work, you are the place. You are the tabernacle of God. It's learning how to uh, access that which is already in you. It's a spiritual place. It's a place that gets beyond the noise of the mind and soul and gets down into the spirit. and, and, And it's a place of quietness and solitude deep inside of you. We don't have to leave society and get out of society. We had a, there's, there's lots of writings about our desert mothers and fathers. They, they so wanted to find this spiritual place, they, they fled society and went and little physically lived in the desert. And many of them have, did obtain a great spiritual place. But the truth that came out of the desert with them, they brought this back to the church. After 20 years of living in the desert themselves, some lifetimes in the desert, the truth they brought back was you don't actually have to go to the desert to get this. You can live this right where you are. That was the truth our desert mother fathers brought back to us. The Bible confirms this. If you and I think we're busy, Moses was busy. Huh? Leading three million people through a desert. Busy guy. Look what God said to him. Exodus 33. Now therefore I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, Moses prayed, that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And God said, my presence shall go with you. Isn't this something? My presence shall go with you, not you come find it. My presence shall go with you. In other words, my presence is with you wherever you are if you just know how to access it. And if you can access it, you can find rest right where you are. Even in the midst of leading three million people, you can find a supernatural rest if you know how to access that presence. How about the New Testament? Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is not just, like I said earlier, a vacation or a Sabbath rest, which is important in the journey, but this is a spiritual place, a place of dominion rest. I don't know about you, but when I go on vacation, I need a vacation from a vacation. You know, it's like because you try to do so many things you don't get to do while you're not on vacation that you come back, oh, my God, I'm exhausted from vacation. So we realize that a vacation or even a nap, these aren't, yes, it's a respite, and thank God for that, but it's not this spiritual place of rest that we're called to exist in and live out of and minister out of and live life through. And I believe that God is showing me very clearly in this season, it's a place. It's a place inside of us, a spiritual place that each and every one of us possess. It's just a matter of accessing it and moving into it, I believe, through silence and solitude. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, Help me talk to your people because this is such a deep spiritual subject. Help me communicate to them about this place. 
can you show me, Lord, what this place really, like give me some tangible something to express to people, like what is this place? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And, and what is it? what's it called? Right? Because you can call it space, spirit, uh, inner man, holy of holies. Right? Just like this, the Holy Spirit said, secret place. All my people have a secret place inside of them, and only body invited, only two people ever invited there me and them. The secret place. And just like this, man, I, I read the famous scripture that talks about secret place, and I read what this scripture promises those of us who live in this place. Blew my mind. Look at Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place. Do you see that? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look. Look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. No plague shall come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He will call upon me. I will answer him I will be with him in trouble I will deliver him I will honor him and with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation Woo! touch three people say that's the secret place God said I don't know about you I don't know of another place in the Bible that describes rest on every side like no plague come nigh you no evil befall you. Terrorism may be here, may be there, but it ain't coming near you. Flu bug may be taking over Alabama, but it ain't coming to my house in Jesus' name. Somebody said, you get your flu shot? Yeah, took communion yesterday. Come on. Secret place. Secret place of the Most High. Shalabad, don't get wrong, I'm not against flu shots, I'm just saying... As you fake this, so be it. I go to God first, take communion. If I get the flu, I get a shot. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. But go to God first. Secret place. It's in you. It's with you. You have access to it. And I believe that God's showing me in this season and trying to help me help you to understand it's found in solitude and silence. Solitude in silence, that if we would daily find a place of solitude and silence, 
and go there. Speak no words, hear no noise, and just be. That through that, God would over time move us into this journey or move us in this place where we're literally dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. By dwelling, I mean not just visiting in the morning. It's that you get so accustomed to it, you take it with you. And then when you get out here in this busy society, all of a sudden things start going sideways. You don't get flustered. You just go back into that secret place. Right there in your car, right there in your office. And then back out ready to go again. And I really believe that God has been speaking to that to us, confirmed it many, many times to me. And now we're starting to put feet to it in action to try to learn this discipline. It's not a discipline taught. That's why today we, we tone worship down a little bit because we've come to this conclusion that maybe church is too noisy. That maybe sometimes church should not be a place of noise. It might be a place we need to escape the noise to get to. I've traveled around the world and been in a lot of great cathedrals and, and, and massive churches around the world. And you know when you walk in they're like, you can't speak in there. Because they're so committed to silence. I used to think that was religious. But now at this journey with the Lord, I'm like, maybe it's more spiritual than I understood. That there's a place that silence and solitude brings us to that we can literally be present in the presence of God, if I could say it that way. It's contemplative, meditative, prayer most of our prayers in our work because we're Pentecostals right I mean we'll drop some strong tongues on you in a heartbeat you know what I'm talking about I mean don't ask us to pray it'd get crazy around you know what I mean we'd get noisy with it and I like that and I understand there's a time and place for that but also believe like God's in this season there's another place there's a deeper place that words aren't necessary let me say this and I hope I say it right There is no power in prayer. There is no power in prayer. You say, why do you say that? Well, because everybody prays. Muslims pray, Hindus pray, Buddhists pray, Christians pray. There is no power in prayer. There's power in presence. See, we think prayer... We've been taught a lot that prayer was to accomplish something. And actually, the prayer was never designed to change God's will. Prayer was designed to change you into doing God's will. Prayer was never really designed for us to change God, to get him to do something for us. But prayer was to get us to a place where we were ready to embrace what God actually wanted to do all along. And when we realize that and we understand that, then prayer becomes different. And when, and, we, and when we see it, we see it that Jesus taught this. This isn't Kent. Jesus said, when you pray, don't use a lot of words. He said, don't use a lot of vain repetition like, 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 like the heathen do. He said, don't use that kind of praying when you pray. But he said, when you pray, go to the... It's not a trick question. Matthew 6, when you pray, go to the... 
secret place. And when you pray in secret, I will see you and I will reward you. It. Come on now. Are you tracking with me? Jesus, you don't, you don't have to use all the words. Jesus said, just go to the secret place. And when you get in the secret place, I will see you. In the entrance, he, he, didn't, he said, I will see you. He didn't say, I will hear you. He said, when you go to the secret place, I will see you. He didn't say, I will hear you. He said, I will see you. I just got that just now, and I thought it was awesome. But anyway, <laughs> that was really good, Ken. I just want to say, I won't hear you. I'll see you. I was in India preaching at this church, and the pastor told this story. It really touched me. He said there was a guy named John. And John would come to the church every morning at 6 a.m. And he'd walk in the sanctuary, and he would stand there and say, Hey, Jesus, it's John. And say nothing else for 30 minutes. Total quietness. Next day, come back. Hey, Jesus, it's John. He said he did it day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. Custodial staff started thinking, who is this guy, this weird guy, who just comes in and says, hey, Jesus, it's John, and says nothing else. People started like, this, he's a, like a, just, who is this guy? He just comes every day, same time, every day, hey, Jesus, this is John, says nothing else. Pastor says the story went, he was on the way to prayer. After months of doing this, he was on the way to prayer, had a car accident. Winds up in the hospital, leg broke, hip, uh, hip dislocated, ribs broke, bad condition, laying there, looks at the clock, it's 10, towards, almost five, 10 till 6, almost 6 o'clock, he knows he's not going to make it to prayer, tear runs down his face because I'm not going to get to prayer today. He saw all of a sudden, he felt somebody at the foot of his bed touch his leg, he said he opened his eyes and there was a man standing there and said, hey John, I'm Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John, it's Jesus. He said, the point of the story is, if you will call on Jesus, not just when you're needing, but if you will begin to acquire a lifestyle of spirituality with God, God will always be there when you need him. A pastor confirmed it to me this week. He called me and said, Kent, what have you been preaching about, talking about, I told him what I'm talking to you about today. He said, I can't believe that. He said, it's amazing. He said, the Lord just came to me this week and said to me, he said, would you rather have me as a lifeline or a lifeboat? He said, because you treat me like a lifeboat. He said, most of the time I only hear from you when you're in trouble and when you need me to get you out of something and save you from something. And he said, the Lord said, I have no problem with that. I have no problem being a lifeboat to you. The only problem with that is lifeboats were never uh, designed to sustain you they're just to help you get somewhere that you could be sustained he said I'd much rather be a lifeline than a lifeboat because if you use me as a lifeline you won't need me as much as a lifeboat because I won't be having to save you from everything you get yourself into you will have heard from me and you will be walking more in my will thank him so I believe this is what the Lord's saying. So we're starting trying to practice it. We had staff prayer this week. Normally we're throwing down in tongues for about a good half hour, praying for you, praying for everybody else. This week, you know, uh, I was late, unfortunately. I came in late, five, ten minutes late. And, you know, they were all sitting around in a circle, totally silent. Freaked me out. We sat there for almost 30 minutes in total silence. Awkward. 
And, it, and it, what was weird is it started out feeling like nothing. And by the time we got to the end, it felt like it was everything. Even, even my own brother Dan, he sat there, he said, this is unusual. He said, normally I have some aches and pains in my, my body. He said, but sitting here in the presence of God in silence, all of a sudden I feel no pain in my body. And then my brother went on to tell me, he said, you know that's how the Quakers got their name. I said, what do you mean? He said, they would sit in silence and wait for God. And when God showed up and would follow one of them, they would start quaking. And they knew that's who God was on and that's who was going to speak. But I think we've given a lot of this away to the new age, a lot of this away to mysticism that we might call it. And, and, and the church has not embraced this spiritual discipline called silence. I believe it's the key to entering a place of rest on every side. Look at uh, Isaiah 30, 15. Here's what it says. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Isn't that powerful? In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. I'm challenging you, challenging myself, because this is a very difficult discipline for me. Bev, tell you, she transcribes a lot of our messages. She's like, I've never been around a human being that talks more than you do and says as many words as you say. And I said, but I'm a preacher. She said, yeah, but you don't stop. You should come home with it. Right? Just words. So many of them are, I use. It's difficult for me to shut this down. But it is the most spiritual thing we can do. James even said, if you ever learn to shut this down, you can control the whole circumstance around you. James said, if you could ever get this quiet enough, your mouth, your tongue, he said, you can literally steer you, your whole life. He said, if you can control this, you can become a perfect man. How many of you have ever thought, man, I wish I had not have said that? Here's what I've learned. I'll always have another chance to say it, but never another chance to take it back. And I believe it's a discipline. I'm just getting some cool stuff while I'm up here. <laughs> but it's like, what was the guy, John the Baptist's dad? Lord, shut him down. He said, I'm going to give you a son. And he was like, yeah. He said, no, you ain't going to say anything about it. I don't want you to mess this up. How much you think we've messed up? So I think it's a spiritual discipline because if we get used to not saying much, when we get out, we'll probably be more apt to wait before we speak because we've got this discipline going on here. Now, it's freaky because we're not used to it. So let me go ahead and tell you, if you're not accustomed to this. First thing you got to do is got to get some coffee because coffee's good. That's just all I'm telling you. Coffee's good. Hebrews. Right? So, I mean, you know, God's into coffee. So, I don't think you can hear God without a cup of coffee. That's just my personal opinion. But get up earlier, right, before your chores, before the kids, before. You got to, it's, it's a little dis. got to get up a little earlier and just find you a quiet place. And just sit down. Now, I found there's a posture. You know, it's not like. 
hey, Jesus, you know, I mean, they're, 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 you know, there's a posture in it, right? Not a perfect posture, but a disciplined posture, I would say, of expectation. And uh, I've, I only know a couple ways there. Either a, a couple of worship songs out of your heart to kind of get this kind of quieting down and this awake, or breathing. And people say, well, that sounds new age. Well, Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Ghost. There's something to this breathing. Actually, when you were born, God breathed into you. Life. Now, the rabbis say that every time you inhale and exhale, you are actually speaking God's name. It that makes more sense now. Everything that let everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Everything breathing, saying Yahweh. Now, so I only know two ways in: worship a little bit, a couple songs, you know, to keep quiet, or breathe. I like to breathe, count my breaths. I don't know why I fall into this, but. And the next thing you know, your mind just starts going crazy. <laughs> all the things you got to do, all the things you're supposed to be doing, all the things that your to-do list. All. So I used to try to fight that, right? But now I just let it be. Because God didn't say, if you hear me or I hear him, he said, if I see you. So it's not, it doesn't matter to me what's going on in my mind because I have purposely disciplined myself to come to the secret place because I want to be seen. Why? It says the eyes of the Lord are looking throughout the whole earth just looking for somebody. He can show him. I'm saying, Lord, I'm waiting on you to see me. Hey, Jesus, it's Kent. Now, what will happen is, over time, your thoughts will get tired. And they'll quit, they'll quit talking. They'll quit moving. And next thing you know, you're in total silence. Just you and the Lord. And now he can look right into your soul. And show you things that nobody else can show you. Tell you things nobody else can tell you. Reveal things to you no human being can reveal. Because it says the Spirit searches the deep things of God and now it's just you and the Lord and what happens is next thing you know it's not just 10 or 20 minutes it's you don't want it to end because it's just gotten so good you have to make yourself stop because it just gets so good being there with just you and the Lord now what happens is you leave that place and you go out here into the world, but that place doesn't leave you. Now when you get out in the world and things start uh, moving you, trying to shake you, trying to uh, get you over into anger or, or impatience or you da 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 now you have a place to go. You just get right. You were there earlier, 
and you just go right back there. Not a physical place, a spiritual place. And right in the midst of all kind of difficulties and, and turmoil around you, you can go right back to the secret place, find that strength, come right back out again. Uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Father Andrew, Brother Andrew, uh, no, practicing the presence. Brother Lawrence, thanks. Brother Lawrence used to talk about this a lot. He was a, 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 a monk, and uh, he said he got to where he was, was more in God's presence when he was with people than he was when he was alone because he'd gotten to that place where he said, I could be washing dishes, running errands, shopping for the monastery or whatever I was doing, yet I was dwelling in, pre in the presence of God in the midst of my busy activities. I got so accustomed to being there. I could be there anytime, place. Can you dream with me a minute? What in the world's going to happen if your husband gets doing this? What happens if your wife starts living this way? What happens if our homes start becoming these sanctuaries of solitude and silence and prayer and presence? And so I just really believe this is what the Lord's saying and what the Lord's calling us to. And uh, I just challenge you to take a step of faith with us that this week start, if you haven't already, Find you a place. Make you a reasonable expectation. Five, ten minutes. Maybe the only place you have is in the car. When I first got saved, the only quiet place I could find was the car. And I would drive my, because we lived, we lived, my wife and I lived with our parents in a very small place, and there just wasn't a place of solitude. And so I'd take my car, park it in the back of Walmart parking lot, and get in the back seat with Jesus. I can't tell you that times I had with the Lord there where he would just come right into that car transform my life and so like you I get busy now and I don't have as much time as I used to have then but that don't mean we can't enjoy this it's just the same way now that we can embrace it and I believe God will speak to us in the silence so I felt like if we were going to try awkwardness, I'd just let you be awkward too with us for a little while. And we'd take the last two or three minutes of our service today and we would just have complete silence. See what that feels like for us just to get a taste of it. Thanks for listening to this message. If you are blessed by this message, you can give by visiting waio.org or by downloading the Wayo app and selecting Give. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Thanks!